Shock the System. Welcome to Dank Discussions with me, Calican CEO Maynard Breslow. In each episode, you'll learn from the trailblazers, leaders, entrepreneurs, and influencers in the ever-moving, ever-growing cannabis industry. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Dank Discussions. Today, we're joined by Shifra Klein. Shifra is the founder at Mitzvah Wellness. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Shifra. Thanks for having me. Super excited. Um, tell, let our listeners know where you're based out of today. So we're based out of Los Angeles, California. Um, our products do ship to all 50 states, but we are here in LA. Very cool, local. Um, and uh, so you are obviously the founder of Mitzvah Wellness. Can you tell me a little bit about Mitzvah Wellness and what you're doing? Sure. So we are um, the first certified kosher CBD brand under the OU, which is the Orthodox Union. Uh, We have tinctures and topicals currently, um, and uh, we're busy here doing a lot of research. Uh, We have a staff consisting of um, researchers and developers um, and doctors that are helping us formulate really effective products. That's really cool. And, uh, you know, I'm over here in Israel at the moment, you know, I spend time between LA and Israel and, uh, you know, over here, they're doing a lot of R and D as well. So you kind of, uh, we got, got that connection, you know, I, I'm not sure how much, uh, you know, obviously Israel's leading the way with that. Um, but it's awesome. You guys are doing that as well. Now tell me the kind of, you know, backstory, you have such an amazing, fascinating backstory behind mitzvah wellness. Um, and obviously, you know, that's brought it out. Can you kind of tell me, um, you know, go, go down where Mitzvah Wellness was, where it came from? Sure, of course. So Mitzvah Wellness started back in 2016. Um, we realized um, when our son, who is now 14, was about 10 years old, that he had really plateaued um, with his progress. He was diagnosed with um, autism. Um, he was a very severe case, as we were told. He was diagnosed on his second birthday. Um, He has a unique form. Um, It may not be unique anymore. There's probably a lot of children out there who have experienced this. He has what's called regressive autism. So he was fully functioning as a baby. He met all his milestones, some of them earlier than our other children. We have four kids. He's third to youngest. and he, he, was, he was, had a few words already at 13 months. He was able to communicate with us. Everything was fine. We started around 13 months seeing him regress. Um, you know, we don't blame anything on, on vaccines. Obviously, we vaccinate our children. Um, we're definitely pro-vaccine. Um, there, there were a few incidences, especially looking back at his medical records, that do show that he had regressed um, severely at the time of each vaccination. Um, so at this point, um, you know, his doctor won't even vaccinate him anymore because of that regress- regression. So again, very pro-vaccine, not pro-vaccine for our son. Um, so by the time he had his last um, vaccines that we realized there was definitely a serious issue in correlation. Um, he had seized, he was in the hospital, he had 106 fever that wouldn't go down. Um, we basically lost him at that point. He was about 18 to 19 months old. And um, he, he was so severe at that point that the um, regional center that evaluated him gave us the option to award him to the state to take care of. He was basically, we were told, impossible to keep at home at that point. 
So, you know, we did obviously keep our child with us. We had the resources to maintain him at home and we tried everything. We tried everything. He was, he was, um, he had severe apraxia at that point. So his mouth hung open and he constantly drooled. Um, he had to wear a bib till he was, you know, an older child. Um, and he had lost all muscle tone, so he couldn't hold the bottle anymore. Oh. He uh, would bang his head all day, um, very um, self-aggressive uh, behaviors. Um, he started, you know, was diagnosed with PICA suddenly, which is eating things like you shouldn't be eating, you know, eating dirt, eating wood, eating metal. Um, it was... He, it was just a little bit of a disaster. Um, and it was scary. It was scary. We were really young and we had a new baby and two older, you know, older children. So we had a, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, two-year-old and a one-year-old. So it was, it was intense. It was a really intense time for us. Um, we tried chel uh, chelation therapy. We tried um, hyperbaric chambers. We've tried, he was on 15 different medications and there's nothing for autism. There are no autism medications. It's not like, Hey, your child has autism. Take this. Um, it's, it's medications for high blood pressure because the side effects help with stimming. So great. He doesn't walk on his toes anymore, but he keeps fainting because his, he doesn't have high blood pressure. His blood pressure is dropping. So it, it was just a course of all these different medications that they tried. Um, and it got to the point where we were hearing more about cannabis and we, we wanted to explore it. When we brought it up to the staff at the hospital that he was um, being seen at, they were very much against it. And that, that kind of that push of them being against it, I don't know what it is in me, but it gave me that push to want to really, it was like, you're telling me, you know, that something can help my kid, but you don't want, you know, you don't want to try it. You want to keep pushing these pills that aren't doing anything. Um, I'm, I'm going to look into this more. And that just became my world. You know, my kids are my world and, and I would do anything for them. So that became, you know, my passion changed, you know, my, my passion definitely changed and my passion became cannabis and helping my kids. Oh, that's, so. that's amazing. And, you know, here, you know, you talk about hearing more about cannabis, like who brought that up? Where, where did that kind of, uh, where was that sparked and, you know, kind of grew from there? Where did that come from? So, you know, I was, I'm not familiar with cannabis. I was not uh, familiar with cannabis. Um, I became religious when I was 16 years old. So a lot of people, you know, when I started getting into cannabis, were like, oh, well, you weren't religious as, you know, a young girl. So you have experiences that our community, you know, doesn't have. And I was like, that's going to be further from the truth. I never experienced cannabis myself until I started giving it to my kids. Mm -hmm. uh, so there, there was no, I, I just didn't grow up like that. I didn't have that, those options. <laughs> you know, I knew people, the kids that were doing it, but it wasn't my thing. It wasn't, you know, I was too, you know, goody two shoes, as they say, it wasn't, it wasn't my world. So, um, I think I was scared of my parents. I think that's really what it was, but you know, I, I saw stuff online and I started, you know, reading reports. I was always Googling because I, I needed to find the answer. It was like, this can't be it for, for my kid. And um, I found a, you know, a group of women on Facebook um, that are treating their kids uh, that have autism with cannabis successfully. And that, that group was a small group. It now has 20,000 women in there. Um, wow. it's, it's insane. Um, it's women all over the world that have children on the spectrum that are 
that are using cannabis um, to treat their symptoms. And they also have a lot of women. You can imagine with 20,000 women, you do have researchers in there and doctors in there and people that are really you know, using these studies to help guide uh, families. They also have groups that are taking data on their children. So you know, there's forms that are sent out to the parents. What are you using? What strains are you using? What terpenes are in your strains? You know, there's so much guidance and, and ways to collect data. When you have 20,000 kids on the spectrum yeah. collecting data. Um, you're going to find out what's working for the majority and what's not working. So you kind of know where you have a baseline to start. So it was a good group to be in. Um, and it was a good way to start educating. And then we started reaching out to doctors, just started Googling, you know, doctors that are treating autism with, can with cannabis. And that's how we really got rolling. Wow, that's so incredible. You know, so much, you know, we're talking about research in Israel and you guys are doing research. There's a big problem that we have in America because a lot of research is, is, is funded. You know, they need funding and, you know, conducted in colleges. So there's a lot of, first of all, pressure. You know, uh, the funding could be done by pharmaceutical companies who obviously don't want a lot of these research being done. And, you know, the colleges can't really do it because they're federally funded as well. So they can't go it on. But that's so incredibly fascinating that right here you have not case studies, not just, not just a bunch of individuals, but that there's actual research being done, meaning that you guys are filling out forms and there's data that's being collected along the way. Um, and, you know, 20,000 people now and, you know, guidance, um, that is really incredible. I think there has to be a lot more awareness brought to that as well, um, you know, and, and kind of those kind of grassroots ways of, of bringing uh, research about. A hundred percent. And I think that people will say, well, it's just a mom, you know, and I think that that has to change when you have a group of 20,000 women, women that are successful, women that put their entire focus in curing or healing their children. There's a lot to say for that effort. There's a lot to say for that drive, um, collecting data. I know that there's um, doctors that are reviewing the data from these groups. I know for sure, Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, um, she's out of San Diego, who does a lot of cannabis research, um, is using the data collected from these mothers. And um, you know, these, this data is real data, it's, it's real science. Um, and that's, it's really these moms that are going to propel this industry with their knowledge. I mean, that, that's, that's the whole thing, you know, say it's just moms. I think it's the opposite. These are moms, you know, it's like, we all came from mothers, you know, I know the mothers will do anything for their children and they're the strongest ones out there and on the front lines, you know, like you, you guys are, you know, putting yourselves out there, doing everything. So, um, you know, say that there's, you know, research isn't conducted in the lab and it's not conducted behind you know, a one-way glass, a one-way mirror, and, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, there's so many different ways to conduct research, and, um, you know, how, can you maybe explain a little bit on maybe, um, you know, the scientific method that goes behind it, meaning, like, you know, how do you isolate the, the independent variables, so to speak, when, you know, um, there's so much, uh, you know, so many people who are conducting the research. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, so, Basically, when data is taken and then presented to a team that picks through it, um, what will happen is they'll take data and separate what is working, what is not working, and then they'll take that data and apply it. And you have to apply it. It's very interesting because with autism, um, 
there is no one cure, there is no one thing, and what therapy works for one child, unfortunately, doesn't transfer over to another child. So each child is unique in their genetic makeup, and um, it's unfortunate because there is not gonna ever be that one pill, that one strain, whatever it is. But what we can do is we can make conclusions based on the majority, and then your kid may be out of that majority, which is which is difficult. But you know, I feel like a lot of people don't realize the patience and effort it takes to parent a child with autism. And we kind of are our, our, our thinking changes, our capabilities change, what we thought we couldn't handle, we suddenly are able to handle. You know, there's that saying that God doesn't give you more, you know, more than you can handle. I beg to differ it sometimes, but, um, you know, it's, it's really important to know that a parent that's going to treat their child with cannabis has to take the time and the patience and collect their own data. So all because there's, there is suggestions and recommendations, it doesn't necessarily mean it's for your child. Okay. And that was one of our biggest concerns coming out with our family story because I don't want to seem like, because my children are doing so well on cannabis, our youngest daughter, um, right under our son with autism, was diagnosed with uh, ADHD and ODD, which is Oppositional Defiant Disorder. Um, and she, they're both doing very well um, on cannabis. And I don't want people to think, you know, because my children have success stories, thank God, that their children will too. You know, and you have to differentiate between one, you know, each child is different, um, but we believe in it so much that it was worth it for us to share our experiences and create products that we know are effective and can possibly be effective for other people as well, not just children with autism, um, but for a lot of different issues. That's great. You know, and, and you brought up something there as well. That's, you know, there's kind of sometimes in, in our industry, in our community, meaning the cannabis community, you know, this, because we're so passionate about it, it turns into a cure-all, be-all kind of, you know, substance, drug, you know, uh, you know, bring relief to anything or that it always works. Um, and I'm glad that you brought that up because it's, it's, that's not always the case, just as anything else. You know, people react differently to, to anything, to any stimuli. You know, it can have the same effects, you know, being the same environment and, you know, uh, two people are gonna react completely different you know, two same events. Um, so, you know, the people have to keep that in mind as well. Now, now walk me through a little bit, you know, how long ago um, did you start, you know, um, helping your, your children with cannabis? And, um, and tell me like the effects, how, how they responded to it. So in the beginning, we were really nervous, um, especially because back when we started, it was 2015 and there was not a lot of regulations out here in California. So when you walk into a dispensary, you kind of didn't know what you were getting. Um, it's not like seed to sale like it is now. Uh -huh. So it, it made me very, very nervous as a parent. Um, so what we did was we would buy top shelf flour, which is insane. Um, and then I would make oil out of it at the house. Um, but yeah, so looking back now, I'm like, you're crazy. You know, no one is buying, you know, high end 
quality flour that, you know, <laughs> and dumping it in, you know, we would decarb it and put it in the crock pot, you know, with, with oil. And, uh, you know, now that I'm in the industry and I'm doing research and, you know, I've been here for a few years, looking back, it's kind of hilarious, um, the money that we spent on it, but like what would we spend on our kids at this point? So I knew that the strains uh, that we're getting um, already from other people's research would be um, effective. Uh, we were working with high CBD strains um, down to like um, one-to-one strains. So we were using strains in California like um, Harley Quinn, um, ACBC, Canatonic, um, and we were getting strains from uh, good farmers that we actually, I would go to the dispensary, check it out, um, and then call the farms actually, just to make sure what are your growing processes. I was like crazy mom, basically. Um, and we were making our own oil and then I wouldn't give it to the kids until I sent it out for labs. So we were paying for our own labs and, you know, just wow. for in, in the house, we had no concept. Even I was only making like one jar of oil and paying, you know, for, for these lab reports because I wanted to know the potency and, and, um, you know, if there's any residuals or anything in my, in my oil, obviously there weren't because I didn't know about that, but I'm making my own oil in my kitchen. There wasn't going to be any residuals and stuff like that. Anyways, so we made this oil, um, and we, we put, I put, actually put it in a cookie because, um, his, a lot of kids with autism have issues with, um, either swallowing or tasting or very sensitive. Um, so I made a cookie with it and I dosed it and microdosed it out. And I think we started with something super small, maybe a 2.5 or a five milligram. Um, we gave it to him. He ate it shockingly. He didn't, you know, no problem. He eats my cookies. Um, and we just sat there staring at him. <laughs> like, you know, is something going to happen? <laughs> I think, I think people who eat the cookies themselves are sometimes feeling that, you know, it's like, <laughs> when you is know, it, you know, look at the watch 45 minutes hit? later, an hour later, you know? Exactly. Watching so paint dry. You no, know, we, we literally, my husband had the laptop open. We're like Googling, is something going to happen? You know, um, and it was funny enough, something happened, which was bizarre. Um, he was on his iPad, which he usually is. And he looked up at us and we never got eye contact. It was, mm. we would have, we would put blinders, like literally put our hands up over his face, like by his cheeks and cover the space around it just for him to get his eyes to look at our eyes like mm. right up in his face and he still couldn't do it he just couldn't get his eyes on us he looked right up at us and he was staring directly at us and then he smiled and he started laughing and we're like oh my god is this really happening we both burst out crying we're like it we couldn't believe that something so simple could happen something so immediate for other people to say like that he gave us eye contact yeah mazel tov he gave us eye contact but this is something that my child could not do. This is, we're talking about an 11 year old child in diapers that I'm still diapering, mm -hmm. that, that still is taking his clothes off all day. This still you know, is, is self-injurious and banging his head to the point of needing stitches. This is a child that cannot give eye contact. This is completely life-changing. Um, and you know it took us a long time to play with the oils to get the right consistency the right potency um and but we got it we we got it after about three tries we really got it the first time we made oil and sent it to a lab we didn't get anything out of it and it was you know okay what did we do wrong it's trial and error it was so worth the effort 
uh, when our child started talking. We're at the point now. Yeah, we're at the point now. He's 14. He had a bar mitzvah at 13 years old. He puts on tefillin. He was able to say the prayers of the Torah. Um, You know, he he jumped. He actually moved to a different school. He was in a very uh, low functioning program that was just life skills. Now he's doing life skills and academics. Um, He's at about he was at like kindergarten preschool level before we started cannabis. and he is now at 14. He's at about a fourth, fourth grade level. So he's reading English. He's reading Hebrew. He's doing math. He's doing science. He's writing reports. Um, he is by far not cured, as they say. Um, there is no cure. He's still, you know, has autism. There's still challenges. But when he can walk in the door and, you know, say, hi, mommy, you know, it makes it all worth it. Wow, that is an absolute incredible story, touching story, you know, um, you know, in and of itself, you know, you can talk about the science, and, you know, the miracle and how, you know, the kind of, it's, it's kind of a both, you know, and, um, you know, I guess, um, you know, I want to talk about this, this thing about, you know, Mazal if he gave you eye contact, you know, and it's kind of like, kind of condescending kind of feeling or, you know, being, being in, the, in the Orthodox community, you know, you talked about earlier, you know, you're, you started becoming religious when you're 16. You know, I started, you know, I'm also an observant Jew and I started doing, you know, becoming more observant when I was 24. And, um, you know, I definitely had uh, my, you know, you said you never touched it. That was, uh, that was my, my everyday thing, you know, cannabis every day. So we come from, uh, you know, and that kind of sounds a different way, but, you know, now being in the Orthodox community, you know, how, what kind of reaction have you gotten, you know, has it been condescending or has it been kind of like, you know, good for you, but that still shouldn't be done or what's kind of the, the idea, um, you know, what's the response you've gotten behind it in, in the long run from the beginning and then till now? Um, well, it wasn't always good. That's for sure. <laughs> it was not always a good response. Um, but, you know, we made a decision in the beginning um, how it basically started, how we started a company was that uh, someone knew that we were medicating our kids with, auti- with uh, cannabis. Um, my son for autism, my daughter for her ADHD. Um, we got her off of her Ritalin and uh, she's doing fantastic, thank God. Wow. And yeah, it's, uh, it's unreal. And um, she had very bad complications from her Ritalin. It just, she did not do well on it, but it was our only option to keep her in school into the Jewish school system. And we actually had a crazy story. Once we switched her to cannabis, um, the school would no longer allow her to go to school there anymore. They said she either had to be back on the Ritalin or she had to find another placement. Um, and we sat down with her and we, we, we were very open with the kids and we told her this is the situation. And she said, I'll leave school. She said, I don't wanna go back on the Ritalin. I don't like how I feel on it. Yeah. Um, she was in sixth grade at the time. It was a very big decision. You know, she was at school with these kids since preschool. Um, and it was the only, you know, Orthodox uh, Jewish school in our area that was, you know, a good fit for her. Um, and, and we left. We left and we found her an alternative program that we have to drive to the valley every day, which is not far. You know, it's, a, you know, 25 minutes, you know, 30 minutes in traffic. But that's um, it? Wow. That, you guys must be living at 5 a.m. I'm not sure when, uh, I'm not sure when the drive to the city to the valley is 25 minutes. For all, yeah. you, for all you listeners not from L.A., 
this is uh, this is also a miracle. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it really depends on the day, but we're we're actually are we live in um in West Hollywood and and this oh, okay. is Hollywood, so it's not so bad. Um, but you know, it is a schlep, and um, thank God it was the best decision because she's you know she's thriving, and that was the point. Um, you know, they wanted me at the other school to pick her up every day for her afternoon dose um, and drive her 200 feet from the school, give her her cookie <laughs> and drive her back like a criminal. And I said, no, it's not how we do things in our home. This is not to be criminalized. This is um, a gift and we need to appreciate it. And if you're not going to appreciate, you know, the gift and my daughter here, then we're going to, we're going to move. And that's what we did. But that was a sidetrack. Um, so people heard what we were doing um, and we actually had sick, some sick people in the community that asked if I would provide oil for them. Um, and I did. Um, and obviously as Jews, we like to talk a lot. And uh, it happened in shul and synagogue that people started mentioning that I was providing oil um, for either, you know, their grandfather. You're or like this a drug person. dealer now in the in uh -huh. shul, you know? Like. <laughs> Talk to Shifra, she'll get you the good stuff, you know? Yeah, the, the Rebbitson drug dealer. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it, it became the schmooze, you know, in synagogue. And uh, basically what happened was more people were asking us uh, for oil. So oh. we were just giving away, you know, oil. You know, I'm not going to say no to somebody that's sick and needs oil. It ended up becoming um, more often and more often to the point where I'm a preschool teacher. And I was calling in sick and getting substitutes because there were so many people that were in need. And, you know, we sat down as a family and made a decision, like, if we're going to do this, we need to turn this into either a full-time um, business because I can't keep, you know, taking off of work to do this, um, both financially and just in general. It's not, you know, it wasn't consistent for my classroom and we need to make some decisions. So we sat down with all the kids and, um, we told them, like, if we do this, people are going to know, and this is going to be a thing, and people are going to talk in shul, and people are going to talk at school, and students are going to come up to you, and it could become an, uh, an issue. Are we, do, you know, and we're not going to do it if you are not uncomfortable, if you're uncomfortable with it, um, we, but we need to make this decision as a family. You know, our daughter came home from uh, sixth grade, and she said, mommy, I know uh, 40 people that don't know what's the difference between CBD and THC is, and I said, how, where did that number come from? She goes, well, I asked everyone in my class and no one knows. And I was like, oh boy, you know, here we go. <laughs> I, think, I think if you walk down the street and ask most people the difference between CBD and THC, they also will not know. So it's no right. well, surprise my, that in school, you know. <laughs> yeah, my sixth grader knows. So, you, yeah. know, we're, you know, we were very open with them. We never wanted them to feel like they were doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and that became a big, you know, part of the education that started at home. So when they were approached in the community, when, you know, our older kids, um, I mean, they weren't older when they're, you know, they're all around the same age, but they're all, you know, a, few, a year apart. So our older kids now are 17 and 16. Um, and when they, you know, three years ago, they said, you know, go for it, mom, you know, do it. You know, you, you, there's people that need you. And if you stop now, you know, where are they, they going to go? There's a lot of people that were concerned about kosherists and they trusted the, you know, the kosherists in my home that we keep kosher enough to eat edibles. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't want to take straight oil and we were making chocolates and different things um, for people in the community. 
uh, you know, and then there was a few people that actually wanted it, but turned us down because they asked if we had a shkafa, if we had um, kosherists, if we were, you know, being supervised. And, and you know, was, there was rabbis in town that actually were interested because they were not well and they would try anything at that point. Unfortunately, in the Jewish community, because we're so not knowledgeable in cannabis, by the time people came to us, it was a last resort. And, um, you know, at that point when you're desperate, it's like they always say of people that don't, you know, atheists don't believe in God until they're on their deathbed. And then they say, God help me, you know, like yeah. they'll do anything at that point, you know, um, it, it's, it became a last resort. And there were people that were, you know, I'll take it, but you know, what's the kashras kind of thing. So it became a thing that we realized that maybe we need to do this, you know, under a hashkaka, under a, a kashras organization to make sure that our products are not only, you know, available, but they're available to everybody. Um, and everybody can gain access that feel uncomfortable. I mean, medicine doesn't really need to have, you know, to be kosher, but if it's going to leave people out, then it needs to be done. Um, and then that's how we got to the OU, which is a whole another story in itself. I would love to touch on that. That is on my notes, you know, OU. So it's one thing, you know, you know, once again, this podcast is for everybody, and I'm having the time of my life. This is amazing. But for those of you who don't know, you know, every kosher food or anything, you know, has to have what's called a hashgaha, which means that it has to basically be their supervision, rabbinical supervision. And the rabbis have to approve of this, uh, what's going on. And, you know, there's periodic checks and, um, you know, it's very in-depth stuff that goes on. People think it's like, oh, it's blessed by the rabbi. And it's like, no, that's not actually what kosher, what kosher means. But there's a lot of different hashgachas where a rabbi, you know, you could get a rabbi down the street to give you hashgacha that's not trusted in the community. OU in the American community is viewed as the top notch, you know, pretty much place to go um, in terms of that, you know, pretty much universally um, you know, accepted. And to me, I think that's like one of the most fascinating things is to have OU, you know, the, this, this worldwide organization that signs off. How can you walk down that, that kind of, um, that process a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, you know, when we decided to get Hashkaha, um, for us, there was no question that we needed to have the OU. The OU is the largest um, kosherous, the kosher organization in America. Um, I, I think we, I think it's the largest in the world, actually. Yeah, we have it over here. You know, in Israel, America, everywhere in the around the world, you know, it's it's everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. So um, we really wanted to go with the OU for the pure reason that you you just um, you just stated before. There are so many kosher organizations, and a lot of people won't hold by. Um, other organizations and we wanted to we wanted to go to the biggest so we can reach that many people the whole point of going kosher for us was access who is going to access our products we want everybody to find it accessible there's even people that keep halal that will trust the OEU so it was you know we it's not just for kosher people it's not just for jewish people we have a stellar product that works for everybody uh -huh. we just didn't want to have people left out of healing uh -huh. uh, so we approached the ou 
and I'm not going to lie, it was, <laughs> it was a feat. It was a feat. It took us um, about nine months to get them on board. That's not that bad. <laughs> it's not five years, you know, so that's, that's not too yeah, bad. It, it, they said they've been approached before. Um, you know, there was a lot of, we realized right away, it was a lot of either lack of education or miseducation. Uh -huh. so we had a job in front of us, um, and that's what we did. We sent them a lot of um, studies, reports. We sent doctors that we work with to speak with them. Um, it was really about, um, you know, they were afraid to give their stamp of approval on anything that might seem recreational. And they gave us a lot of stipulations and they saw that we were willing to work with those stipulations. For example, um, our packaging. They wanted it to be um, respectable. They didn't want it to look like a recreational packaging. They wanted, you know, to make sure there was no impact. How, how they know what recreational packaging looks? You know, are they going into dispensaries and checking it out? Or? <laughs> That's a wonderful question. Um, <laughs> so, you, know, the, you know, there are kosher organizations at expos and things like that. Um, if you've been to a cannabis expo, not everyone is dressed modestly um, and sex sells and people have people at their booths that are, you know, in bikinis trying to sell cannabis, um, that's exactly not their point of the OU. The OU wanted to keep it clean and kosher all around. Um, and we do that for them. We make sure um, we represent ourselves as a kosher all around company uh -huh. in, our, in our ethics and how we take care of people, the effort that we put into our products. Um, our sensibility is we're not going to put ourselves in a situation where it compromises the integrity of the OU um, or our company. Um, and they appreciate that and they know they can trust us on that. Um, the OU has actually come to us when they have questions on cannabis. Oh. Um, they've come to us when they've had other companies apply um, and asking our opinions. Um, you know, we never turn down people. We've had we actually have companies that come to us that want the OU you know, to either, you know, work with us or ask us how to get um, OU Hashkacha. We do guide them. We do help them. We hope that more people reach out to the OU and other kosher organizations. But there's some companies that they just will not um, give their koshers to, and that would be recreational companies. Um, but um, yeah, that was, it was amazing. Once we got it, um, it, it was just that stamp of approval um, was so worth it for us because we're able to reach a lot more people that way. It's amazing. Has, has it kind of opened the doors? You know, you mentioned that people come to you and, you know, now it can be a mitzvah consulting, you know, and uh, kind of do a whole other thing. But, you know, you, you mentioned that people come to you and they go to OU and they come to you with questions. Are there, you know, has it kind of opened the door for more um, approval by the OU or is you guys still the, the only ones? So yeah, so we're the first ones under the OU. There are, I think, two other companies um, that are under the OU right now. I don't think they're doing what we're doing. Um, we have very medical-based um, uh, materials, tinctures, and topicals. I think they're more of snack-type items, but still like, like health food-type products. Um, so it's a little bit different than what we're getting into at this point. We're, um, you know, we do have a research board. Um, we are working with hospitals, local hospitals right now. So, you know, our focus is more on the medical track rather than, you know, attracting people that want a healthier snack type thing. Uh -huh. 
Very good. And, you know, you know, not, not mean to pry or anything, but, you know, I, I, this was something, an experience that I just had recently, you know, where I myself had, you know, somebody on, on one of my posts for, you know, about, about this podcast, you know, and somebody that I respect and somebody that I consider a mentor and basically getting on there and saying, this is forbidden for not only for this, you know, and he was saying smoking it is bad, you know, entrepreneurs having a, having a business around it is bad. You know, it's also completely forbidden and it deteriorates your mind and all, and it's just going on and on, you know, and I'm like, and Halacha says against it. And I'm, you know, asking him, well, Halacha where? And he says, you got to find that out. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of rulings, you know, we're talking off there, you know, uh, rulings from, from, you know, from 1973, from a uh, world renowned rabbi of, of, you know, previous generation of, you know, Moshe Rav Feinstein. Uh, and, um, and he's using that. And, um, and I'm saying, well, okay, well, also, you know, he also says that smoking is also forbidden and drinking outside of a religious thing is forbidden. And, you know, are you doing either of those two things? But anyways, my, the long story short, the reason that I bring that up is because, you know, there is real kickback, you know, and here you are, I hear amazing things, you know, where it's kind of like, you know, people are maybe saying some things or, you know, maybe, you know, but for the most part, it's like, well, you know, end of life care. This is, you know, people are coming to you and, and asking for your help. And now you have, you know, the OU, which is obviously, you know, so reputable, you know, where now, do you feel like now you, you come to a place where you're kind of above that stigma, not above that stigma, but kind of surpassed it or, you know, tell me a little bit how, what kind of stigma you've encountered and uh, how you've been able to combat that kind of. So, yeah, so it, especially in the beginning, we still get it now, but especially in the beginning, there were times, you know, Snickers when we walked into synagogue, um, you know, people coming up to us, you know, it made it like a really big joke, like, hey, you know, can you, can I hit you up for, you know, some weed and, you know, silly stuff like that. When we take this very seriously, we're sitting at home healing our sick children. So this is not a joke for us. Um, and in the, in the beginning, in the community, it was a joke. Um, we've had text messages and calls from um, local rabbis telling us what we're doing um, is dangerous, um, that the community is not happy, the rabbis are not happy, um, and there's good- but your, kids, but your kids are happy and you're living a, a better life. It, right, exactly. We've had- who, who you, you know, who you, who you need to please at the end of the day, you know? A hundred percent. I mean, we've even had a rabbi message us saying, be careful. You know, like, uh, like, I'm like, is that a threat? Like, what yeah. does that mean? Is that <laughs> um, you know, kind of thing. But, you know, whenever something goes on, honestly, we really lean on the OU. We, we're very much in contact with um, the rabbis in New York at, at the main, you know, office. Um, we, we know what we're doing is right. Um, you know, it, it, it was the joke. It was the laughing stock in the beginning. You know, and we really had to, you know, have thick, thick backbones, and it, especially with our kids too. You know, my 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 son is in yeshiva, and I've had, which is, you know, all boys high school, um, where they study Torah half day and um, have secular education in the afternoons. And they would, you know, come up to him, hey, can your mom make us brownies? And hey, can we come over? You know, like as if I have like a house full of, um, you know, magical brownies around. Uh -huh. uh, you know, and. You know, they had they, the kids too. The kids went through it, um, and it just takes that one person. You know, everybody's hurting. Everyone knows someone that's hurting. Um, you know, we had a rabbi that was very much against what we're doing, 
and um, they ended up being one of our uh, you know, people that use our products the most. Wow. So, you know, uh, and it was life changing, um, a life changing experience for him. You know, most people won't, you know, I have people that call and say, Hey, can I talk to some people that use your products and let me know how it worked? And I said, there's still that stigma. These people will, you know, Orthodox people, they, they are not happy to share their stories. They are healing and they're healthier, but they don't want to admit that they're doing it. There's still that, wow. still that mm. stigma. Um, yeah. The more people that we've helped in our local community, um, it's less of a joke now and more of, hey, my friend is hurting or, hey, my mom needs something. Hey, what can you do with this? Does this work for Parkinson's? Does this work for MS? This person was just diagnosed in our shul. How can you help them? You know, most of our um, orders recently, we were in Ami Magazine in New York, which is a very large Jewish publication. There was an eight page article over Sukkot on our company and our story, um, we have orders coming in and the first name, you know, uh, uh, the first, before the name, it says rabbi, you know, there's, we have rabbis that are ordering from us. People are hurting and people are in pain. And that was the point of, of these products that we're creating is that these people need access and they're not going to walk into a dispensary necessarily. And they're not going to, you know, some people don't even have, we've been in people's homes that don't have internet in their homes. It sounds insane, but not for the Orthodox community. A lot of people don't have televisions. They don't have computers. They don't have, you know, access. And the point is access. Uh -huh. That's incredible. You know, and so you talked about, you know, earlier even, you know, Ritalin, pills you know me you know i also you know grew up ritalin you know from seven years old taking that and i had a similar experience from from your daughter you know i don't want to take this anymore you know i couldn't sleep so maybe it's good for the teachers because i'm you know not running around class all day but you know i couldn't sleep at night and not eating and everything like that and i basically you know same thing decided i didn't want to take it anymore and, um, and at that point you know what people would have called at that time you know um, you know, self-medicating, you know, with cannabis um, and all that stuff. And, you know, you mentioned the, the giving your son pills and everything like that. And the doctors were against it. And here you hear, you know, the rabbis are against it. What can we really do? You know, because sometimes the, the, the medical providers are the issue. You know, they're the barrier. You know, if, if you know, rabbis, everybody who, who, you know, seems to be in a place of knowledge, power, um, you know, and the kind of gatekeepers in a certain way, you know, what can we do to educate them on the research that's, that's going on, on the effects that, that people are, are having, um, and to, 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 to shift that, to have that kind of paradigm shift that people are having when they use it, actually, or when they see other people. Uh, uh, 100%. So, you know, for the educate, um, for the doctors, um, there's a lot of doctors that they don't know how to prescribe cannabis. They don't, um, they're not knowledgeable in it because it just, it wasn't a thing. Um, there are doctors that do prescribe cannabis that are now um, reaching out to uh, other medical communities to educate. I know that a doctor that we're very involved with, Dr. Sherry Yafai Cameron um, at St. John's Hospital is doing educational seminars for doctors um, and other people in the medical field. She just did an event in November um, with 200 uh, attendees. Uh, they're all uh, doctors and in the medical field to educate 
Um, she's now working with kids with autism and getting um, people off of opiates. So she's doing a lot of good work with cannabis and educating out here, but it really needs, you know, the doctors really need to be open to it because this is where people are turning. They're looking for healthy, healthier alternatives. Um, the medications, I don't, you know, I'm not anti-medication. If you need me on medication, you need to be on medication. Yeah, of course. But if you, you know, there are dangerous side effects and you have to be willing to, to deal with those side effects um, to cure yourself. Or you can go with um, a plant that has minimal side effects um, that is a healthier option and still is effective. So in that case, you know, the doctors in the cannabis world, you know, need to be reaching out to the doctors that are not in the cannabis world. Um, for education and for as the rabbis are concerned you know that's something that we're very big on in education we um there's um a woman in town named Catherine goldberg who uh does cannabis events and she works together with us doing events um one of the events is called chai Havdala, and um we go in, <laughs> i know it's a cool it's a cool name uh we go um into you know different shuls and synagogues and make events um, for educational purposes. Um, so we, you know, contact different synagogues asking them if they'd like to do a Havdalah ceremony um, with us. And then we come and do an educational component there, um, you know, to educate the rabbis and educate the community, the Jewish community. And it's, it's, it's going there. This is where we're heading. Um, and we need to learn about it. And you know, the stigma is always going to be there. You know, you could, you could thank the, the 1980s for that. Um, but, uh, you know, this, this drug war, we're not a part of anymore. Yeah. You know, cannabis is mainstream. It's here. People are going to use it recreationally if they want to. We're not going to stop people from doing it. They don't, thank God, need to get it on the street corner anymore um, where it's dangerous, could be laced or not, you know, be cannabis at all. Um, so that's going to happen no matter what you know, what we're here for is not for recreational purposes. Um, we're here to help heal. And um, once the community understands that, um, they're, they're, they naturally be, will be more on board with us. Very good. And, you know, that brings me to a couple other questions, you know. Um, you know, you bring up obviously recreational, you know, and, you know, Steve D'Angelo's been on record to say, I, all, all cannabis use is, is medical, so to speak, because we're all kind of, you know, um, in a certain way, dealing with something that we think is, um, you know, recreational, but it's really not. Now, is, is you, you know, you mentioned that, and obviously, you know, the OU and the post scheme, all of them are talking about, you know, not recreational, and that's the danger of it all. Now, what is, is that just a purely religious thing, or is that something that you are passionate about, aside from that, you know, recreational versus medicinal? Um, can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So personally, I don't, you know, have any judgment on anyone that is a recreational user of cannabis. Now, as a business, um, we're not promoting recreational use. Uh -huh. We've had people call us and say, hey, we're going to Vegas. You got any kosher products, you know, for the weekend and things like that. Yeah, you're not going to find it at Mitzvah Wellness. It's, it, you know, we're not here to promote that. Um, the re you know, part of the reason being is that we're representing the Orthodox Union. Yeah. Um, they're not in favor of it, and we're very respectful of them as they are respectful to us. We have a relationship just like in a marriage. You know, there's things that you wouldn't do or push the boundaries in your marriage where we have a marriage with the OU right now. 
and we're very happy with that marriage that we have with them. Um, they're very supportive of us as a family, as a company, and we're supportive of them. So um, not to say that you know all of our ideals are the same, but we do respect that relationship. Copy that. That's that's a, that's a great answer. And um, also, you know, another another thing that comes up is you know mental wellness. You use isolates, you know. So you know, there's a whole argument. It doesn't have the same full spectrum of fact. And uh, you know, can you kind of expand on that as well? Sure, of course. So yeah, we get that a lot. Um, right now, we are not using full spectrum products. Um, in the future, that could be a possibility. Right now, we're really happy with the products that we have. Um, they're very effective. We have um, isolates are a great option for us because they keep um, a standard for our products. Everything is um, balanced out really well. It's kind of hard sometimes for full spectrum product to know with each batch that you make that it's consistent. We have a very consistent product um, that is required for a lot of people that are medical patients that they're getting that consistency. Um, you know, each batch could be different when you're working with full spectrum. So you may have to do a lot of adjustments, which is fine. It, you know, this is just a better option for us as well. Another thing is, you know, people say, well, you need the THC content for the entourage effect. Um, well, that's not necessarily true. Um, it, it can help. It's great to have a full spectrum product. They do, THC and CBD do work well together. But if you have the right terpene profile, um, then you're in pretty good shape. Right now, our terpene blend that we have is made by D-squared Custom Terpenes here in Los Angeles. Um, they're a really ethical and good company. They're yeah. run by really, really good people. Um, and we had Delaney on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he's an incredible individual, incredible individual. And, um, you know, he, I brought him on during the, um, you know, when the whole vape scare even came about you know the controversy with that and you know he really broke down it's all about ethics it's all about what you think you can get away with and are you willing to do that in order to make a dollar you know so that that's amazing 100 percent. yeah we've seen d squared actually turn down um potential clients um because of those companies ethics on um, what they were putting in their products and what they were trying to get away with so they were willing to turn down you know, large accounts because of that. Um, it makes us feel really good to be aligned with people like that. They're great mm -hmm. partners for us. They have a great research team. They know what they're doing. They've been in this industry a really long time. And, um, you know, all of our products are based off of um, their research plus additional research by doctors that are working together with us um, with D squared. And our terpene blends are super effective. They're, our CBD is really power boosted by these blends. Um, so like we have a good day and a good night formula. Um, one helps with sleeping, one helps with daytime focus. Um, but it's also a lot, very powerful anti-inflammatories um, for pain management, anxiety, stress. Um, we have a variety of different people that are using it for from Parkinson's to MS to, um, you know, cancer patients to eight, like my children, ADD, um, autism and all these different things. Um, and, um, thank God, you know, they're really happy with it. We also have two other products called sunrise and sunset, which is really interesting is we have these products that are just the terpenes with a carrier oil or, or organic MCT oil. Those products on their own are very effective which tells me together with CBD, it's just a power boosted formula. So, 
you know, the whole full spectrum thing, yeah, we get it. We, we're, re we're reading the research too, but um, there's also incredible research on terpenes out of Israel, out of Spain, um, and out of America that are, are very, very effective blends that we have. Um, the reason being that we have Sunrise and Sunset, um, which is just terpenes, it works out really well for us because there are people that cannot have CBD. So there are studies that are showing that CBD is not a good option for people that are on SSRIs. So there's certain uh -huh. antidepressants that don't yes. do CBD. I just read an article about that as well, you know, the, how they kind of affect, um, you know, medications, especially SSRIs and people, you know, dealing with depression and then all of a sudden it's not working because they actually want to help themselves with CBD and, uh, and it's causing an opposite effect. Correct. Yeah, there's also people with blood thinners that um, it could be a not a good option for. So we do have that option for relief. And um, we have people that are, uh, what we do is when we, we, um, we sell a product we online on our website, we'll send out like three weeks later, a data form. Um, and we ask people to fill that out. So with this data form that we're collecting, we're able to collect and see what's working, what's not working, and then adjust and see why it's not working. It makes our products that much stronger because we'll know if we need to make adjustments or not. We have people that are taking the sunrise and sunset that are having a very good effect. So we know that our terpene blend in general is effective. Um, we have also people that are afraid to take CBD because unfortunately um, in drug testing, um, it can be hard to differentiate between CBD and THC. It will just come up as positive for cannabis, um, even with an isolate. So our isolate is even 99.9%. Um, there's still a, a percentage, a very minute percentage, but a lot of people don't want to take that chance when they're doing random drug testing. For example, we have a program at Mitzvah for first responders, um, for veterans, um, and uh, they have like, a special code for each individual. They send us their information and then they get like a lifetime um, discount. So with that um, said, a lot of those people like police officers that we do service don't want to take that chance, but they still need relief. These are people that are dealing with high stress situations. They may have pain. Um, you know, we deal with veterans um, and they're getting relief just from our terpene formulas as well. That's incredible. And, you know, you're such a knowledgeable woman. It's really such a pleasure speaking to you. Now, you know, you came from this place where you said you're laughing about, you know, to look back, feel embarrassed about, you know, going into a dispensary and, you know, getting top, top shelf flour and coming home and doing that and into this place now, you know, isolates, terpenes, you know, really high level stuff. You know, how did you, you know, aside from research, where it seems like you're really a go-getter and you're really, you know, able to do great research and connect with the right people, how do you really, you know, go from there to where you are here, you know, getting all the ins and outs and, you know, being where you are today? Did you have mentorship or, you know, was it just kind of like, I'm going to do it in sheer will? Um, yeah, I think it was that, that, you know, when you're out of options, um, you, you do what you can when you're at the edge of that cliff and you have nowhere to go. Um, you know, I, I would do anything for my children and just like most mothers and, um, you know, my kids really propel me and inspire me, um, to, to, you know, keep pushing. And, um, I've always been an against the grain type of person. Like you tell me, no, I'm gonna, 
you know, do it 10 times better and faster. Um, I, maybe that's where my daughter gets her uh, oppositional defiant disorder. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's funny that's a thing, you know, not to poo-poo anything, because, you know, people used to poo-poo ADHD and all, you know, which when I was a kid, you know, oh, he's got Anton's pants, you know what I mean? So, right. it's, you know, it's, maybe I got some, uh, you know, opposition is, you know, DB as well, but. Um, I mean, listen, she's super smart and I, and I, and I, I'm crazy about her and I know she'll be successful, God willing. Um, but I think that's something maybe genetically we both carry is that. It's called chutzpah, you know, I mean, uh, yeah. not, not to poo-poo, like I said, it's not just yeah. that, you know. A hundred percent. I've always been that type of fighter. Um, my brother, my, I have a younger brother, just the two of us, and um, he has spina bifida. And I always watched, you know, he's four years younger than me. I always watched uh, my parents push him, um, push and push and push, um, that he is, you know, people, when the people are friends with him and stuff or meet him, they don't even realize that he's in a wheelchair. Oh. It's just, it's like not even an option. He lives, a, you know, a typically developing life, um, you know, uh, besides that he's in a wheelchair. And I always, I always saw that. And it's just something that's ingrained in me. Um, to keep going. Um, I'm very blessed to, you know, being in an industry that I'm not, wasn't part of, it took me some time to navigate. There were some really scary characters, you know, that come out of the woodwork and want to, you know, um, jump on the bandwagon. And it took me some time. It took me a few years to really, you know, weed out, um, <laughs> so to speak, that was funny, um, who <laughs> would be, you know, who I wanted to align myself with. And Thank God I've been very fortunate to um, align myself with a really steady, good group of people. Um, they're our family now, um, and they give me inspiration as well. And this just became my passion. This really became my passion. Amazing, incredible. And, you know, now shifting gears back to, myth, you know, to Misfit Wellness, um, you know, aside from aside from the stigma aside from now that you're a, a business and all that you know what's been the biggest business obstacle that you faced and how you've been able to overcome it um you know i i would probably say business wise um you know i i think in this industry a lot of people have financial um struggles um it's not a <laughs> it's a difficult industry there's a lot of rules and regulations and um you know, this, our company is different because we, we didn't have the intention of starting a company. Yeah. So when you start a company, there's a lot of um, back work that's put into it before a launch. There's a lot of, um, you know, you have investors involved and you have, um, you know, padding. And we, we didn't, we didn't start with that. We don't, that's not something that we, you know, we had no intention. This was not our, our life's mission or goal or plan. Um, and you know, we were just a struggling family trying to help our kids, you know, we've spent our savings and what we had, um, on therapies and, and doctors and specialists and, um, you know, traveled with our, our son to, to all these different places and clinics to try to help. Um, so we really started this from nothing. Um, and you know, it's taking time and we're very patient. And um, that's probably our biggest struggle at this point is um, scaling and growing um, as we go. But we're, we're determined and we'll know we'll get there. Um, and we have a lot of faith and good people around us um, to help us get to that point. So 
you know, I think that's probably our biggest struggle. And, you know, the stigma is not really a struggle for us because we use it yeah. to fuel us. We use yeah. it as fuel. Um, it's our job um, and we're happy to have it. It's our job to educate because we feel like the knowledge base that we have and the people around us um, and the research uh, it is really where we would, you know, we're happy to, to share the information. We're happy to help. It's a huge part of our company. You know, each order that goes out, I personally write a note to each family. Um, you know, and we want to continue that as we scale. You know, we're here, we take calls, you know, at all hours. We're, we, you know, sometimes we have trouble keeping up with it yeah. at this point, you know, because there are so many people that need us. Um, but it, it's really our pleasure to give back. It's amazing. And, you know, so I guess follow-up question to that is, you know, you talk about, you know, obviously funding is obviously a thing and, you know, time and, and everything, you know, and scalability. What are you doing? I guess, you know, is, is it an awareness thing? I know you have a whole lot of moving parts where you have the research and development going on. You know, you're constantly making new products. You know, I guess my question is, is it kind of still you, and your husband or whoever around you, you know, kind of doing everything yourselves? Do you have systems in place, you know, and how are you bringing awareness to Mitzvah Wellness? Yeah, so right now, it's a great question. So right now, we're still a small group, you know, we're a handful of people running the whole show. You know, we have our different departments and we have our, um, you know, our, our processes and our procedures and things like that. Um, we do have a small facility, um, but we are planning on scaling this year. We have plans um, to get more onto the East Coast. Uh, we see the need there, we hear it, we know what's going on. Um, especially after um, being an Omni magazine, um, you know, people are reaching out that are really, really suffering. And yes, people know about us in LA, but there is a whole big world out there yeah. that, needs, that needs help. Um, and, and we wanna offer that. Um, so, you know, I feel like as we grow and we scale, um, it's really for me personally, um, as a founder of a company, to make sure we maintain the ethics and the values and the care that we're giving. So mm. I want to be able to maintain personal relationships um, with patients, with people that are reaching out. Um, we want to maintain care. For example, um, if we feel that our, our, our formulas are not going to work for somebody, we let them know. We let them know right away, and then we don't hang up the phone and say good luck. You know, we'll do the research, we'll call doctors, we'll call our team, and we will find a product that's in their state that is a better option for them. Um, and I want to be able to, as we scale, maintain, um, maintain that relationship with people, because the truth is, is that people just want to be heard. People want people to listen to them and really take in what they're saying people that are in pain, people that are suffering. And that's really what we feel is lacking in this industry. They yeah. just say, go to a dispensary, go to a CBD store, pick out something. Most of the resellers in these multi-level marketing companies, which is a disaster, um, <laughs> are not um, knowledgeable on their products. Um, they have um, additives and things in, that I wouldn't give to my kids that I won't put in my products. Yeah. Uh, the, these companies are not lab tested. And if they are, they're only testing for potency. Um, you know, we do full panels, you know, does, I don't care if it costs us, you know, five to 700 per batch, you know, of each product. I don't care, you know, it, that doesn't matter to me. I want you to know what you're putting in your body is safe and effective. And, you know, people don't even realize that are running these companies that 
or maybe they do realize, you know, it could, it could be they just do realize and they don't care because they don't want to put the, the money or the effort into it that, you know, it's possible to have a lot of pesticides in your products and it's possible to have residuals from, you know, extractions and, and all of these other, you know, microbes in your products. Like, why aren't we test? Why aren't people testing for that? You know, yeah. I would never give my kid a product that wasn't a full panel lab testing. So I'll tell people if our product's not for you, make sure when you go out there, you know, these are the other companies that we trust. Do not trust a company that's on Amazon that doesn't have any lab testing that just says hemp seed oil. You know, people are just not knowledgeable enough. Um, you know, and I, I just want to maintain that. That's our goal is to maintain that relationship um, with people as we grow. Oh, definitely. And, you know, that, that is the problem, unfortunately, is, you know, because it's, you know, there is regulation and on other sides, it's kind of the wild west still where, you know, the regulation hasn't caught up to the growth and being able to, you know, have checks and balances and kind of everybody who, you know, like you said, it's kind of like, uh, you know, and it comes up a lot on the podcast where it's just kind of like people who, who have no knowledge of products, no knowledge of anything come into the industry because it's a booming industry and you know maybe they they, ha they have the capital to do it and then it kind of breeds uh you know bad companies bad products and in turn you know um controversy within the industry um and uh, and then the people who are doing it the right way um then have to go and you know explain what they're doing that's that's different you know but in the end you know, you know it's in the, in the end uh, you know um uh, it all comes out of the wash as a uh, the great philosopher Snoop Dogg once said, and uh, you know, at the, the, the people who are doing it right from the beginning with the ethics, um, I really do think um, the, other, the other companies are getting themselves in trouble already anyways, you know, and, and, they're, and they're, they're, they're shining the spot on themselves and why, why they're not doing it right. And uh, the people who stay the course in the long run, it's a long game and uh, everybody's excited about it right now, but the, the people who are doing it the right way are gonna be around um, you know, years to come. 100 percent agree so 100%. you know aside from that you know so i you know i have this question you know you you talk about all inclusive you know it's for everybody and you know but at the end of, you know it's it's mitzvah wellness and it oh you and everything like that because you want to be able to include everybody as well and it, is it for the jewish community is it for everybody is there how do you kind of you know bring in people um, who, who don't know you from LA and you mentioned bringing it to New York. What's your, what's your plan for that? You know? So again, I think it falls into the care that we give to, um, the people that reach out to us. Um, everyone wants to be heard. Everyone wants to be taken care of and feel like they're listened to. Um, and we do that for everybody. It's not, you know, when I say it's not a Jewish company, yeah, it's a Jewish run company. Um, but it is a product that's effective, not just for Jewish people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> everybody, if you guys are doing it right, everybody should know about this. That's my point. hundred you know? percent. I think what we really, I mean, the goal is, is, you know, it is a mitzvah what we're doing. Uh -huh. And, you know, we want to, um, you know, we're working right now on starting a nonprofit to be able to give back more than we already do. Um, and um, it's really aligning us ourselves with other nonprofits, not necessarily Jewish nonprofits that are also giving back as well. So for example, there's an organization um, in Los Angeles that um, is now giving uh, free wigs 
to people that are newly diagnosed with cancer um, at Cedar sinai Hospital. So they've reached out to us uh, to participate with them in creating care packages for those patients. Um, so, you know, that's not a Jewish organization. And they reached out to us because they heard about the care that we give to our, all of the people that reach out to us. Um, so that, you know, that's one organization. And we really want to spread awareness to the non-Jewish uh, community by aligning ourselves with um, other give back type of programs, because that's really the point of this is giving back. That's why we started it. That's why we continue it, um, is to give back not only to our community, but to communities that are in need. Amazing, amazing. And you know, we, we bring up these companies that are doing shady business and, you know, and, you know, like I said, in the long run, Mitzvah Wellness is going to succeed. Now how, you know, the whole point is, is these other companies can get away with stuff for a while because like you said, people aren't educated. How does Mitzvah Wellness separate themselves from these other companies that are just doing things, you know, on the seam of their pants and, and don't have the research? You know, what, what is it that you're doing to bring, you know, to separate yourselves in that sense where people can automatically right away say, this is a good product, that's not a good product? That's a really good question. So um, one of the things that we do um, and that we recommend for all people is to make sure that your products are lab tested and that they're transparent. So um, that we do a lot of market research to see um, you know, what competition is and what other people are doing. It helps us make our products more effective and, and uh, just a better business um, practice for us to know what other people are doing. And it's really scary out there. I'm not gonna not lie, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Um, and something that we've done is called as consumers companies and asked for lab testing. Um, and they were either not willing to provide it or you say, you know, say their lab test but not willing to provide it. Or they would say you need to first purchase and then you will be sent lab testing after you make your purchase. So we're very transparent. Our labs are up on our products on our website, um, just you know, right next to the, the, the Kosherus, um labs that we, I mean, Kosherus certification that we have. So it, people can call us all the time. Um, we follow up with everybody that purchases from us just to find out how they're doing, you know, not to try to sell them another product. Most times when you go to companies, they will um, send you out on their email list and you'll get an email, here's 10% off this and here's, you know, come back and, you know, it's holiday sale. We just want to know how you're doing. You know, we want to know, has your life changed? Are you feeling better? If it's not working, what can we, you know, tell us what's not working. We want to help you. Um, it's going to set ourselves apart from these other companies because honestly, they just don't care. They want to make the sale. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, all of our um, products that we send out always have samples in there of our other products, you know, not because we need the sale so bad, but because, Hey, you know, if this person purchased, uh, you know, a tincture for nighttime, maybe they're in pain at night. Maybe they're really sore or something. They could probably use a sample of our bomb because our bomb is a super effective uh, topical, you know, let's throw in a, a bomb in there, you know, and see if that gives them more relief as well. And I don't think other companies are doing that, you know, and, and it's really comes down to the care and the ethics of the company. We will never, ever compromise our products. And um, when we do market research, we see uh, companies that are doing good day formula, you know, have a good day here, try our CBD with uh, caffeine in it. 
um, and you know our good night formulas their their stuff goes melatonin so really you don't know if your if your CBD is actually effective so you're putting in um, synthetic hormones and you know uh, products that should not be in your tinctures uh -huh. so you know, it's, it's really an ethical issue. Um, and you're not going to run into that with mitzvah wellness because that's what we base everything off of. You know, we're not, I'm not going to give you something that I'm not going to give to my kids. Um, you know, we have people calling us that said, Hey, we found this other kosher oil in Brooklyn and you know, I can't stop shaking now and I can't, oh. you know, I'm getting dizzy or I'm nauseous or I'm this and that, you know, I looked at the company, I called them as a consumer, got their labs and their labs are not good and they have too much THC in their products and aren't telling people that there's THC in the product. So when they're telling them, oh yeah, up your dose, it's not working, up your dose, up your dose, and then they start feeling funny, um, they don't know where it's coming from. You know, They also have very high pesticides in their products, which is on their lab report, but they're still giving it to people and they're still selling it for $190 a bottle. So you know, it's, it just, you know, the quality and the care is really gonna set our company apart. Incredible, incredible. So um, you know, what can we expect from Mitzvah Wellness in the future? What do you have down coming up next? Good stuff. Good stuff. So, uh, right now we have our good day and our good night tincture. Um, then we have the sunrise and sunset, which is those terpene, uh, tinctures that we talked about. We have two amazing topicals. I love our topicals. Um, we have a body butter and we have a balm, um, super effective. We have fibro patients, uh, using it, um, and arthritis, and it's, it's just a great product all around. Um, we are in the works with D-squared, um, working on a menopause product, because that is a super high population, a lot of baby boomers, and uh, it, there's a huge need for it. I'm actually part of a menopause group, um, and there's 52,000 women in this one group on Facebook right now. And people are suffering and it's, it's um, you know, every woman goes through it. So we want to make sure we're there. Um, we're also doing a lot of autism research. Um, so, you know, we're working with uh, taking data and working with other people's data, working on different terpene profiles. Um, and that's really exciting. Oh, very good. That's uh, really, it is really exciting. Loving what you guys are doing. And, uh, loving, you know, love your journey, everything that's going on. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, if you've heard my podcast before, I'm fascinated by entrepreneurs, you know, by people's journeys, and I always want to learn from everybody. So, you know, I always have to ask, what is your definition of success? You know, what does success look like for you? <sighs> oh, you put me on the spot. Um, my definition of success is seeing my kids happy every day, smiling, mm. seeing progress. Um, you know, every day when I get those texts, those emails, those messages from other people um, that their lives are changing for the good, it's definitely success. It's not about money in the bank or the pocket. It's really, um, these people's lives are changing. Um, and it doesn't just change for them, it changes for their families. And it, it affects more than just the individual taking the products. So that's definitely success. That's incredible. And, you know, you mentioned the word progress, you know, and uh, uh, spoiler, that's also my definition of success, you know, it's progress. And, you know, about hearing you from where it was, you know, when, you know, son was born to where it was at 11 to now where you have been 
and you know and this journey here in the cannabis industry with cbd everything that's been going on definitely say you're very successful in that regard and progress and if that's the case and i expect nothing more from much more success much more progress from from you guys over there mr wellness and i'm really excited to to track that as well amen from your mouth Oh, man. <laughs> so very good. So as we close, you know, you mentioned the website. Here's your chance to plug. You know, how can listeners find more about Mitzvah Wellness and connect with you? Sure. So our website is mitzvahwellness.com. It's M-I-T-Z-V-A, no H, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S.com. And uh, our phone number is 323-736-736. 2618 and we can also be reached by email at info at mitzvahwellness.com very good very good check out their products everybody it's it's absolutely incredible um you know really excited for you as well as i said so you know thank you again you know thanks for jumping on with me today shifra and uh for educating our listeners in so many different ways it really was such an educational process i'm not sure how many people would understand what it takes to get a kosher hashgacha, what it takes, you know, and, and, you know, your journey and your family and really bring, I think, hopefully, you know, there's 20,000 people in that group you're in now and more, I'm sure, coming and, you know, to bring hope to people and, um, you know, to bring hope to people that uh, there can be, you know, relief and progress from, from their health issues as well. So um, so I want to commend you on that. So good luck to you. And the last, the rest of 2019, or I should say the beginning of 57, 80 and then beyond. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Shifra. All the best. Take care. We at Calican are passionate about cannabis marketing, branding, and web design. If you're a cannabis entrepreneur and you know you need an uptake in business or an upgrade in the way your customers perceive you, come check us out at calican.com and schedule a time to speak with us. Plans start at $248. Thanks for listening in to Dank Discussions, and we are so grateful for each and every one of you. We want to continue making dank content you want, so give us some feedback about the topics you want covered. Feel free to reach out to us at grow at calacan.com. That's C-A-L-A-C-A-N-N.com. And follow us on Instagram for our latest updates.